Today on the Profitable Trady Podcast, people don't leave jobs, they leave leaders and bosses. If you got it happening again and again and again, you know, the common denominator is you. When you lose employees, the cost on the low side is three months salary and on the high side is 12 months salary, depending on the position. And you don't realise it, it's actually quite a hidden cost. One way or another, something I'm doing is causing this or not doing. Or why can't they be like I was when I was an employee? You know, I just do the job properly. It's a breakdown of the relationship between employee and employer. And if we can stop that relationship breaking down, we've decreased the turnover of employees. Yeah, and, it's and that simple. He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a terrible boss. He was a great guy, actually. Yeah. Dude has a heart of gold. And in this case, you know, a few small tweaks. And he actually became an employer of choice in his town. So huge opportunities. And that's what we want to talk about now. The sad reality is that employees don't leave their job. They leave their boss or leader. And the cost of losing good employees are much larger than most realise, both in financial terms and in lost opportunities and all the stress involved. Yet many business owners are doing or not doing things that are actively causing their employees to think about resigning or to actually resign. Tune into this week's podcast where we dig into all the things that cause employees to leave so you can stop making these mistakes. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where we'll help you turn your business into a money-making machine. We know you're busy, so we'll make it worth your time. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, time is money and we're here to help you make more of both. So hit the follow button and let's get started. To the podcast. Well, hi there. I'm your host, Tony Fraser-Jones, host of the Profitable Trading Podcast and here with my good mate, sidekick, Phil Smith. G'day, g'day. Phil, it's good to see you, man. Always good to see you, mate. Yeah, you're looking fine today. You're looking smashing yourself. Bit of bed care routine going on, is there? Well, not really, actually. That's the problem. Don't get too close. You might might see just how... uh, how rugged it is. Rugged and manly and handsome. Stop it. <laughs> uh, let's uh, desist from that line of questioning. Yeah, let's uh, do it. What's the topic for today? We are talking about employees and teams. So how important it is to understand the triggers or causes of employee turnover. Because, uh, you know, for sure, some turnover is inevitable. You know, you are going to lose employees from time to time and for valid reasons. People change jobs for reason outside of the control of the business owner. All right, could be that your wife gets a great job in a different city or town or state, or maybe a relative gets sick, needs care in a different part of the country. Lots of things could come up. Yeah, look, people leave for for a valid reason, but a lot of people leave for reasons that uh, we want to dig into today that you want to, don't want to be the cause of. And here's the interesting fact: if you look at the research, and I've done this because uh, way back in a past life, this is what I studied. Uh, the studies show that, uh, and these are done by professors in universities, and there's heaps and heaps of studies on this that up to 70% of employee turnover can be explained by the actions of the managers and the leaders of the business. Yeah. Uh, which is critical. Uh, and proactive management, you know, good culture, future prospects, etc., can make a really big difference on how well you do as a business owner in terms of retaining your employees. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as I said, people don't leave jobs, they leave leaders and and bosses. And uh, what we do or don't do is is incredible here. And And look, I do get it. It's tough to be on top of all this stuff. When you've got jobs running all over the place, you've got issues popping up, and to you as the employer, it feels like your team are just being ungrateful or unreasonable, or they just can't do what they're asked, or why can't they be like I was when I was an employee? You know, I just do the job properly. I get all that. It's really tough, but uh, unfortunately, you're the captain of the ship, and so it's up to you to make these changes. And uh, and the fact that it's difficult doesn't change the fact that this is huge and has a massive impact on your business. So we've got to get into this. Yeah, totally. And like, look, when we think about a study like that, I mean, you know, of course, 
the people that are being interviewed, the way they got this information is they interviewed all the people that left. So it's from the employee's perspective. And I mean, of course, they're going to say uh, it was the boss's fault. Not many of them will put their hand up and say, you know what, I'm a dick. Um, That's so a technical like, look, term. That, that is, that is going to be part of it. But the reality is that, you know, whether or not, you know, you're right or they're right or anything like that, what the research does point to is that um, it's a breakdown of the relationship between employee and employer. And so regardless whose fault it is or who's the dick or who's right or who's wrong, it doesn't actually matter. It's the breakdown of that relationship, which is what we're talking about. And if we can stop that relationship breaking down, we've decreased the turnover of employees. Yeah, it's that simple. That's right. And as the employer, you're the one who's going to have to make the changes because they're probably not. And totally. so the responsibility is going to sit in your court, which I know is, is tricky, but man, when you master this, it makes a huge difference. Massive yeah. difference. Massive. And I'm sure you've got a story to kick us off. I do have a story. A uh, story about Raiden, who is a coaching client uh, who we worked with for a, for a period of time. I uh, had a kitchen joinery business, uh, and I uh, had seven tradespeople you know, out in the factory, uh, doing between sort of 190 and 220 k a month in revenue. Now, eight weeks prior to joining the, the program, he had four people resign within two weeks. Uh, it was just crushing for him. Yeah. Uh, two went to join his main competitor. One left another smaller competitor just down the road, and he was absolutely gutted. Uh, and the loss of those employees not only sent him into a tailspin on the financial side, you know, revenue was down by 60, 70, 80k a month, but he's actually angry, hurt, and frustrated. Uh, and then four weeks after um, that, another employee left to join the competitor. Mm. And he realised that, uh, you know, there was something actually going on here. It's not like they're all unreasonable and ungrateful. He realised that and maybe he needed to look in the mirror and figure out what was actually going on. And that's, you know, one of the reasons he reached out to us and join the million million dollar trading coaching program, yeah. uh, and so that's what can happen. And a lot of the things that he was doing is the stuff we're going to dig into today. There were reasons people were leaving, yeah, and it wasn't because they were all bad buggers and you know ungrateful. No, I mean uh, it's it's kind of like the three bastards rule we talk right. about, right? Like, I mean, if you're out and about in the street and you meet a bastard, well. Oh, that sucks. They're a bastard. You meet a second bastard. Well, you're having a bad day. You're unlucky. You meet a third bastard. Guess what? You are the bastard. That's right. <laughs> so in this case, Raiden, uh, look, I mean, if he's listening, Raiden, I'm sorry. We've talked about it. I, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you don't mind us saying it. So in this case, mate, like, if you got it happening again and again and again, you know, the common denominator is you. And that's when you have to give a good, like, hard look in the mirror and think, well, one way or another, something I'm doing is causing this. Or not or doing. Not, or not doing. And, you know, it might not actually be that I'm, you know, as you say, actively doing anything badly, uh, but something is leading to this and I'm the, you know, the centre point of it. So and I need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, and I think the thing in this situation for Raiden is uh, he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a terrible boss. He was a great guy, actually. Yep. Dude has a heart of gold. Yep. Um, and honestly, like, I think he would have been a great employer in so many ways. Um, and I think, you know, we're going to dig into some of the reasons today. Yep. But one of the big things here is it's about how you come across and... And in this case, you know, a few small tweaks, and he actually became an employer of choice in his town. So huge opportunities, and that's what we want to talk about now is, you know, we run into problems if we don't do it, what are they going to be? Yeah, the first thing is that the cost financially is massive. When you lose employees, and again, this is research-based stuff. It's not stuff I'm just pulling out of the air. It's uh, the cost on the low side is three months' salary, and on the high side is 12-month salary, depending on the position. Now, the more specialised and senior, the higher the cost. Uh, so it costs you a lot of money, and you don't realise it. It's actually quite a hidden cost. It's not like a line item appears in your P and L of, you know, employee turnover cost. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it costed in lost revenue. HR stuff up cost. Yeah, HR yeah. balls up. Yeah. It's it's costed it in lost revenue, lost opportunities, uh, increased uh, de- decreased margins because there's poor organisation, loss of skill, all that sort of stuff. And not to mention your overheads go up because you've just got to find more people, so it takes time. Uh, that's massive. Look, your factory's smaller. I sort of touched on this. You, the less tradespeople you have, the less revenue you can do, the less money you can make. The time cost of hiring is enormous. Uh, it takes a lot of time, and you may not get the person you want straight away, so it could take you know a couple of cracks, a couple of bites at the cherry if you like to actually get it done. Um, the emotional cost is massive for an owner. You do feel, uh, no matter how long you've been in the game, you do feel a little bit hurt and let down when people leave. Well, look, actually, if I can jump in there, the emotional cost for the team is there too, and I think this is something that's easy to overlook, is definitely is an emotional cost for the owner, but, I mean, pretty hard when, you know, if I'm a team member, let's say me and you, Tony, we're both part of, uh, you know, somebody's crew, we're both, um, I don't know, drain layers, working together, we've worked together for 10 years, and um, and then suddenly you leave, and, and it's, it's just me, and I'm like, my bro's gone, you know, it'd be, be pretty hard to deal with, um, especially if my bro's gone and he's gone with a sour taste in his mouth, um, you know, chances are the sour taste in my mouth too. Yeah. Uh, training costs, obviously. So you get new people in, you've got to train them up. There's probably mistakes, rework, callbacks, stuff that has to be fixed. And uh, and there's the ripple effect. Uh, and this is what Raiden experienced. One person goes and then all of a sudden, it almost gives other people permission to go as well. Or they get approached by, you know, they, they hear how good the, the offer is you know, the first four weeks or six weeks at some other job, and they're like, well, it's not like that here. Maybe I should check that out as well. And so they start actively looking, whereas before they were sort of passively looking. Mm. Uh, so that ripple effect can be massive, and that's really, really uh, damaged a lot of business owners. Yeah, totally. So on the other hand, though, if we get this right, uh, and we can be proactive and actually manage the relationship better with our staff. Well, the, the key thing about business is you need a great team to grow revenue and profit. So it limits the financial loss and you make more money. Uh, and it's way easier to grow a team and revenue when you retain your existing employees because then if you add employees, you're actually ahead of the game. You know, what can happen is you get in the position where certainly when you get a larger team, you might lose a couple of people and you've got to hire two people to get back where you were. Now to, to get ahead, you need to hire three or four people. It's much mm. easier if you only need to hire one or two. That's it. Way easier. There's less drama, less stress, and life is just easier when you, you know, you've got a good crew and they're, and they're sticking around and you get the positive ripple effect. So it's the reverse. People aren't leaving. Uh, it means you're doing a good job and you'll probably attract other people to work for you. You'll actually take them off the competitors rather than the other way around. Totally, totally. So some pretty big upsides. So let's talk about how we can actually do this. We want to be clear on what are the things that cause you know, employee turnover. And so we're going to, there's like eight or nine of them, we want to dig into them and pull them apart so that you know what they are. And when you know what they are, obviously you can stop doing them or start doing what you need to. Yeah. And it turns out that employees don't just leave because they're ungrateful. Uh, and they, and, and there's a bunch of reasons. Uh, and the thing is, we've got to understand it from their point of view, not from ours as an employer, because sometimes we're just like, well, they're ungrateful. They don't see all the stuff that I do for them. But that's not how they see it. And that's really the key here. Also, word, ungrateful or not, I mean, it actually doesn't matter. They're leaving anyway. They're leaving anyway, right? So, and the thing is, is like if everybody you meet is ungrateful, well, maybe you're ungrateful. It's the same thing. It's the three bastards. That's rule. right. So now and then you will have an ungrateful employee. But again, what made them ungrateful? People yeah. don't start off ungrateful. They become ungrateful, yeah. <laughs> probably now, because you're ungrateful. That's right. And there's a proverb. I don't know. Maybe it's an ancient Chinese proverb, perhaps. Well, I want to say ancient Chinese proverb anyway, just because it sounds good. But that's right. <laughs> it always sounds like it's 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 got more wisdom. But uh, that's right. it's like if you want to understand someone, work walk a mile in their shoes, and that's the same. You've got to really see the business from the employee's side of it. 
I always said if you want to understand someone, spend 10 minutes wearing their undies. But hey, look, man, that's cool. Up to you. <laughs> anyway, right. let's get into these reasons for leaving because, like you said, there's eight or nine, and the better we understand them, uh, you know, the more we can combat them. So, well, number, number one, one is a toxic work culture. It's just not a nice place to be. Yeah, yeah. it's just not fun. And so, a toxic work culture will be a place where there's a lack of respect and appreciation. If people aren't showing appreciation uh, or respect, that's really toxic. Uh, and appreciation could be as simple as just thanking people for doing a good job or acknowledging their efforts. But a lot of business owners never do that. They're too busy. Or they're like, well, that's their job. They should just do it. I mean, you think about a child. They need positive praise. Substitute child for employee, same thing. Talked yeah. about that many times. And with praise, I think just important to understand, like with praise, try, try not just praise but encouragement. So difference being tra- praise is good job, well done, that's great. Encouragement is, um, hey, I can see you've really been working hard on that and it shows. Uh, I can see you've really been paying attention to the training we've done, uh, and look at the results. Yeah, you know, I can see that you've really you know put in the hours here, and you're becoming an expert in the field. I appreciate you doing that call out on the weekend. That really meant a lot. Yeah, and and again, it's not well done final. It's I can see you're making progress with the hard work you're making. It's not final. There's no end to it. We're getting better and better. It's that constant, never ending improvement yep. which we're looking for. Yeah, toxic work culture, you know, is is a place where there's poor trust between employees. So there's a blame culture. And between the worker and uh, the boss uh, as well. It's not just worker-boss. It could be between employees. That's another really dangerously toxic thing when people don't take responsibility and they blame the other person. You know, they're like fingers pointing in all directions except back at themselves. Here's another thing that is massively important. You've got to be really careful as a, as a boss, making promises that you don't or can't keep. You know, the classic is telling someone you're, you're probably thinking about them for a promotion or a pay rise. Dangling or the carrot. Dangling the carrot but not doing anything about it. That's a terrible thing to do. And you do that sometimes out of a good place. If you find yourself doing it and you're not certain you're going to be able to do it, shut up. Yeah. Say nothing. Uh, poor communication is another one. If there's no meetings, there's unclear instructions, there's not a clear chain of command, you know, maybe there's an ops manager and you, who does the person report to? They don't quite know. That's a big problem. No values, no rules of the game. You know, how do we roll around here? It's not clear how things are done. And if there's no fun or no best friend at work, like a big uh, thing that helps with it, retention and employee satisfaction is a best friend at work. Now, that doesn't mean your besties, but it means you've got mates at work that you have fun with, and it feels like your place, it feels like your tribe. So Not you can just make fun, but you can be open and vulnerable with yeah. as well. You know, if you're having a hard time at home and you get to work, you can say to you know, your workmate, dude, I'm having a hard time. Um, you know, you feel supported and you feel like, you know, you feel seen and heard and, um, yeah, basically loved for, la- for lack of a better yeah, word. And, and it needs to be fun. If it's no fun at work and just grind uh, and there's no community, no sort of tribal, you know, affiliation, if you like, then it's just not a, that's a toxic place and people will leave that if it's, if it's like that. Yeah, totally. So number two for me is a lack of accountability to results. You know, it sounds back to front. Um, but people want to win and feel like they're winning. So without a scorecard or scoreboard for the business and you know KPIs for each of uh, you know, each of your team members, they just don't know they're winning. And the big thing is you want winners on your team, and winners love to know that they're winning. You know, if I don't know I'm winning, then how do I feel? You know, bought into what I'm doing. How do I feel fulfillment? How do I feel satisfaction? You know, people think it's the other way. Um, you know, don't expect too much, but it's not. You yeah, need to be able to win. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, most people think if you provide lots of accountability, you're going to be checking up on people and beating them up. But 
It's, accountability is not like that. It's just helping people know that they've done the job that they need to and giving them feedback if they haven't. Well, there's a difference in the way you provide the accountability there, right? You know, if the accountability is provided in a way where it's like, hey, you screwed this up, fix it. Um, that's kind of accountability. But if you're being held accountable because somebody's driving you towards better performance that they genuinely want for you and that's going to benefit you somehow, um, then the thing is it's, it's not somebody you know checking up on you or kicking your ass. It's somebody you know keeping you on track so that you can get everything that you want. Um, you know, it's kind of like if you think about a mate, uh, you know, accountability getting to the gym or something like that. And if I want a mate to hold me accountable, if he calls me up and says, did you go to the gym today? And I say no, and he goes, well, you fat bastard, and then hangs up. I mean, it's kind of accountability, but it's really just a kick in the guts. Whereas if he calls me up and says, hey, mate, you got to the gym yet today? And I say no, and he goes, hey, man, remember the goals. You know, like, remember what we're doing. We're trying to get to, you know, this goal weight, and, you know, we're trying to get to this this lift and that lift. And you know what, man, I'm going to come and pick you up now. Let's go together. Um, that's actually accountability as well but it's positively charged, it's for my benefit, and I actually feel supported towards my own goals and winning, which is just completely different in the effect. So the way you provide that accountability is huge as well. And this this is massive. See, if you provide accountability for poor performers, they won't like that and they'll leave. They're the ones you want to leave, so that's you know mission accomplished. Uh, but for the, the people who are winners, they want to know that they've done a good job. And they thrive on the praise and the feedback. So accountability is crucial. If you don't have it, they'll be wondering, am I good enough? I kind of don't feel the vibe. I'm not feeling, you know, like my cup is filled up. I'm not feeling confident because I just don't really know where I'm at. And unfortunately here, the people that are going to get the most accountability are usually the ones that are doing the worst. Um, And we often think the people that are doing the best, we don't provide any accountability because it's like, well, they're crushing it. Like, they don't need it. They don't need accountability. But by not providing that accountability, what we're actually doing is ignoring them and ignoring their success and so they feel like they're busting their ass and getting nothing for it no appreciation no love no props and it's like you look if you're providing accountability you can be held accountable to a good result as well and uh and you need to do that in equal portion so Um, what's number three number three is no growth opportunities so if there's no opportunity for your employees to improve uh to grow their skills or what uh what we've talked about before brightness of future if there's no brightness of future uh for your team members then uh, they're really likely to leave, particularly if they're good because good people want to grow, they want to improve, they want to develop, they want more career opportunities, they want more money, more responsibility. And you show them that you care by actually showing them that there is a path, that you've got a pathway mapped out for them. Uh, And that's not only wage and salary growth, which is important, but it's also skill growth and and, uh, challenge as well. And here's the thing, you know, if your business is not growing, if you're just the person who's like, well, I'm happy with where it is, that's a problem as a business owner and you will have employees leave you because there are no opportunities. And I've said it before and we've talked about it before, if you own a business, you pretty much have a responsibility to grow the business if you want to retain and attract good people Yeah. because there needs to be a pathway for them. Yeah, and I think again, like, don't shy away from, you know, we're talking about, you know, skill growth and salary and wage growth and everything in relation to work, but don't shy away from talking about life growth too. The thing is, is remember that you're hiring people, not uh, you know, not robots. They're not here just to work for you. That's not their life's purpose in a lot of cases. Um, and you know, they have things they want to achieve outside of your employment. Um, and actually, you can help and support them, and encourage them, and cheer for them along the way. And actually, the more you can lean into those opportunities as well, and help them provide it, because again, work is a vehicle for life. You know, your business is a vehicle for your life, and the employment of your employees 
is a vehicle for their life. And so if you're you're brought into the growth of their life as well, that's going to be huge for them in terms of fulfillment and development and and just actually feeling like they are enough, which is massive. So yeah, and look, uh, after we've done this podcast today in our in our business, our team here, I'm running a session on uh, on you know how to create financial wealth. Uh, uh, because I've had some success with that and I've learned a bit of stuff and I want to share that with our team to help them lift themselves up. And people love that sort of thing. It might be wealth, it might be health, it might be relationships. And we know a lot of our members run, you know, get relationship people to come and talk about. I mean, relationships are a big issue for young men. It's actually quite difficult these days. Well, big issue for everybody, but... But, but it's a big yeah, issue for young men and there's a lot yeah. of young men, you know, it's still quite a male-dominated industry. And, you know, the first time... Uh, when the first love goes wrong, we know you know that the apprentice or the young tradesperson is a mess for like a year while they try and sort their stuff out. Yeah, pretty uh, tough. So, so you know, all that stuff is is huge. So, give them opportunities. If you don't, they'll leave. Hundred percent. So, number four, no feedback around performance, which is similar to what we were talking about with the accountability, but also different. So, you know, aspects of this, you might not be providing coaching or you know performance reviews. Basically, you're not checking in on their performance and not just holding them accountable, but helping them improve, which is really crucial because if you're not doing that, you're not improving their skills, they're not getting better, they're not progressing, they're not feeling like you really care. If you do the accountability without the feedback around performance, all you're doing is um, holding the accountability, but you're expecting them to improve or change without, you know, I guess, by osmosis. Um, so, you know, second part of that is giving feedback on what they're doing well and what they need to improve on. So, you know, sort of the same thing. But you need to make sure you do both. So as we mentioned earlier, not just what they need to improve on, but what they're doing well. That way they can replicate and you know, repeat what they're awesome at, but then they can work on uh, whatever they need to work on and they get better and they're more likely to be held accountable for good things than bad things, which is huge for fulfillment. Yeah, so, so with the members of our Million Dollar Trading Program, uh, this is a huge part of the work of building great culture is that feedback performance. And there's a couple of things that we insist our members do. One is at least a six-monthly performance review with a set template, and the employee will fill it in beforehand. The employer fills it in beforehand. They go and talk about it. And then there's the 20-minute coaching session, which is an incredibly powerful tool, which you might want to put in your business as well. It's where you spend 20 minutes. The direct report spends 20 minutes uh, with the person, ideally every week, but you know maybe sometimes it's a little bit longer than that, just talking about you know what are their wins, how they're getting on with their KPIs, and is there any issues or challenges or things that they need help with. Yeah, uh, and that just shows you that kind of feedback loop, and it makes a massive difference. And what we've seen with our members when they put this in, their employee retention skyrockets. Yeah, not only because they're doing the feedback, but it also tells the employee, "Hey, this person actually gives a shit about me." And uh, there's a best way to show that you care is to actually care. To actually care. <laughs> yeah. And and look, we've actually done an episode earlier on the 20. So if you're wondering more about how to do this, then um, you know, look back through the episodes and you'll be able to find that. Um, it'll be there for you. Yeah. Um, and last part of the coaching thing is just actually coaching them. So when you find what they want to improve on, don't just tell them, tell them how to do it. And I think that's often where we can go wrong when we're coaching. You know, see it all the time in our members. Um, you know, it's something we work on very, very strongly, even within our internal team members as our department heads, we practice how to coach because, you know, the the big thing is, you know, a lot of the time we say, hey, you need to improve on X, Y, and Z. Um, and unfortunately, we don't tell them how to improve and we don't practice. So that would be the same as me saying, hey, Tony, um, you know, when you tell stories, uh, you need to make them more relatable. And you say, yeah, cool, I'll do that. And I say, awesome. And I think I've coached you. But if I haven't given you clarity on what relatable means, given you examples of how to do this, you know, we haven't practiced it, we haven't role played it, 
then I've just said be more relatable and you've said okay. But I mean, like, how, how are you going to do that? If, what does if, that if, even mean? Yeah, what does that even mean? And if you knew how to do it, you'd have been doing it already. So the thing is, it's the same with your team too. You know, when you're coaching them, don't say, hey, you need to be more personable and polite when you go into someone's home. They'll say, yeah, cool, I'll do that. But if you haven't talked about ways to be personable and polite, you know, and how to, you know, give great customer service and then practiced it and role played it and given examples of well done and bad done behavior there, then how can they really understand what you mean? Yeah. If they did understand, they've been doing it already. And if you don't give them effective coaching, then they feel lack confidence and their performance and confidence just goes down and they leave. They feel ashamed. And you get frustrated because next week when you come back and they still haven't done it because they don't know how to do it, you know, shock horror, they, they didn't learn it by osmosis. Um, you're kicking their ass again, and not only that, but you're saying, geez, I've talked about this with you four yeah, times. Are you not smart or something? And yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. going to make them leave We've as well. We've talked about this again and again, and you keep not doing it, and they're thinking to themselves, I, th- I thought I was doing it. <laughs> but they don't understand what you meant. You never actually coach them, so you need to nail that. Number five is uh, overworking them and not giving them an opportunity to have good balance in their life. So it's treating them like, you know, pretty much like a machine or a slave to the business. Uh, and here's the thing. Every employee has an emotional bank account. And, and in fact, this is in every relationship. And if all you ever do is make withdrawals, eventually that employee's emotional bank account will get overdrawn. And when it's empty, it's over. Yeah. And some people are incredible. Their emotional bank accounts are incredibly deep. And those are the ones that hurt you the most because you like keep drawing out. But eventually even those people will say, this is bankrupt. And so what this means is, they're working too much, you're expecting too much of them, they're under too much pressure, and eventually they're just like, screw this, I've had enough, I'm going to go get something that's better than this. So uh, other things here is like not giving them leave at appropriate times. Now some people want leave at certain times, and you can't always do that, but it is important as an employer to be somewhat flexible, to help people get what they want. You know, if there's really important things in their life, important life events, then it's really important you try and make those work. Now, it's not always possible, but often it is with a bit of work and a little bit of shuffling things around. Uh, some people don't want overtime because they have lots of family situations. Some people do want overtime because they want the money. Everyone's an individual here, so it's understanding their individual situation and needs and not using a size, size fits, all. fits all for the, the work and the, the balance uh, for the person. Well, on top of that, I just want to point out that when you look at overwork um, you know, or a lack of balance, sometimes when we're driving people too hard, it could be hours, maybe you're asking for like physically too much of their time, but it can often be expectations as well. Uh, certain roles, definitely this is going to be a thing. Um, I remember, you know, obviously I had a pretty big background in um, sales and training salespeople um, once upon a time, and I... Uh, one of the biggest factors with, with that as a profession is that the hard part with sales is, you know, you hit a target and guess what? Next week you got to hit it again and the week after that you got to hit it again and you hit it too many weeks in a row and what happens? They put it up <laughs> and now you got to hit that new target again and again until you hit it so many times that they put it up and that just carries on and on and on and on and on until you fail. Um, so the thing is, is it just gets asked for more and more and more and every time you do more, now they expect more until they expect so much that you inevitably fail because it reaches a point of I just can't hustle that hard. But when you reach that point, you've actually been hustling too hard for a long time and so you're also burnt out and the thing is, is that's really obvious with sales but it does happen in every role. The more someone performs, the more we expect them to perform and it will get to a point where you've actually just pushed them to an unreasonable point. So you've got to be very mindful of where somebody's at in terms of uh, you know the energy levels, 
um, and whether or not they're approaching burnout. Like, are you thrashing this horse too hard? Yeah, and look, for, for the tradespeople or the technicians who are out in the field, it's sometimes a, a little bit simpler. But if you take your, you know, some of your key management people, if you've got a bigger business, you've got ops manager, estimators, general managers and stuff, maybe your ops manager's, you know, only at work for nine hours a day, but they're thinking about it for 15 hours a day, or actually it's 20 hours a day because they can't sleep at night because basically their mind's jammed up with too much stuff. They're basically where you were before you hired them, yeah. uh, which is probably, you know, you have an understanding of this, and, and yeah. if you've been there, you should be a bit more sympathetic. So you've got to look at that and, and manage that because that overwhelm, that out of balance will really kill you, and they'll be like, hey, I can't do this anymore, I'm out of there. And if you'd just been a little bit more proactive, you would have hired someone else or restructured things, or well, often it's about coaching them with some of the skills you've learnt to, to deal with rather than just letting them die in a ditch. Yeah, or you know, team leader or foreman, maybe they've got three or four direct reports and they're doing a really good job, so you give them a fifth, and they're doing a great job, so you give them a sixth, you're doing a great job, so you give them a seventh, and this carries on and on and on, and the thing is, is they were burnt out at six, but you get up to nine before they actually fall in a heap, um, and then so you reduce it to eight, and guess what, they still can't get up, but it's because actually they were such a weapon that um, they just sort of lumped it for a while. So the thing is, again, it's an expectation thing. You just you've got to make sure you manage people's and energy. I think this is this is where it hurts people the most, and when when employers get hurt the most is when their weapons leave because you basically took them for granted. Yeah. And same happens in you know your romantic relationships; they break up because you've just taken someone for granted. Well, for someone too tolerates long. so much yep. that uh, that the point is they get to a point where they've actually tolerated enough. Emotional bank account is bankrupt. Yeah, and at that point, you start trying to desperately make deposits, but it's too late. And it's, so, yeah. yeah, you can get there pretty quick. All right, looking at number six, uh, micromanagement and a lack of empowerment. So, you know, this is particularly for good people. Um, you know, people that are newer to the team, and again, I use the word good people, meaning people that are further along in terms of skill and development. Um, you know, usually people that, like that are also going to be just good buggers. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, it's not to say that people early on uh, are not good. What I mean by people early on is they probably need a level of micromanagement because they don't know how to do their job. When someone knows how, though, you're going to get to a point where, uh, you know, if you actually micromanage and you get too involved, you're showing no trust and you're damaging trust in, in general. So doesn't let them grow. Uh, you know, they don't take initiative and they don't get better. Uh, they've got to be able to make mistakes if they're capable because um, it shows you trust them and it leaves leaves things in their hands. Yeah, and then number seven is like the flip side of that is uh, some people you don't want to micromanage, but some people you actually have to be across them and show a lot of support for them. Uh, and so that's, you know, this is for your low-skilled people, and that's often people starting out or people who aren't familiar with a particular job, or perhaps some of your employees you don't have quite as much confidence and need a bit more hand-holding, uh, you know, like your apprentices. They're going to need way more support, and if you don't give them the support, they're going to feel like they're at sea, they're going to feel like they're failing, and they'll get into this weird sort of shame, they're ashamed of where they're at, and people just don't stay in that space. It's too difficult, and they will leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll leave because it just it damages their sense of self too much. So we see this all the time, right? You know, people come in and they say, you know, what I got chucked into a role, chucked in the deep end, no support, no help, and then I started, you know, I didn't know what to do, and then I start getting told off for the fact that I didn't know what to do. Like it's madness. Like how was I supposed to learn? Yeah. You know? So this is a tricky one because on the one side, you've got to provide people empowerment and and room to move if they can do it, and on the other side, if they're not there, you've got to make sure you give them the support and the guardrails. Uh, because it, both of those things will end up with turnover. 
Yeah, and there's a great tool here that um, you know, we could get into another day called Situational Leadership, which was developed uh, years back. Which we've done a podcast We've done on. a pod. Oh, we have? Oh, great. Have. Well, there yeah, we yeah. go. You can, you can look back and find that. So, uh, so yeah, that's definitely an important way to look at this. Um, anyway, on to number eight, which is the pay and conditions. And can I just interject? Yeah. If don't, I could interrupt your interruption. Yeah, don't interrupt my interruption. Yeah. Uh, we've left this till last deliberately. Yeah. Yeah, pretty deliberately. <laughs> yeah, because... It's actually not as important as people think. Well, I think the thing is, is people usually think this is first on the That's list. That's right. But honestly, if That's you've got this coming up, it's because you've probably failed on at least a handful of the ones prior. Um, you know, it's funny uh, how people will usually, like your paying conditions probably aren't that bad, honestly. Um, but the reason people find them bad is because you're not doing all the other stuff. And so therefore the paying conditions don't outweigh the crap that they're putting up with. Uh, so yeah, we've left it till later in the list for that reason. Um, so yeah, basically if we look at this, you know, if you pay good people well below market rate and never have discussions about future pay rises, uh, they're going to leave. It's that simple. Because uh, why would they work um, for nothing when they could work for something somewhere else? So you know, if you want to be losing people, be in the bottom twenty-five percent of payers. Um, obviously, if you want to keep them, you know, the opposite applies. But if you want to lose them, then pay them peanuts. And you get the proverbial monkeys, don't you? Um, look, next one is, you know, you can wait until the very last minute and pay somebody more, but only when they ask for it, rather than front-footing it and being proactive with paying conditions. So if that's the way you're operating, don't be surprised when you lose people, because if, if you only get a pay rise when you ask for it, then you don't feel appreciated with the pay rise. You feel like you're getting what you asked for, finally, only when I was a squeaky enough wheel. Whereas if we look at the opposite, you know, if I'm giving somebody a pay rise proactively, front-footing it, um, then they're going to be surprised by that, pleasant surprise, and they go, wow, geez, I must really be appreciated here. So, you know, when you're able to do this, you should do it before they ask. It's really, really that, crucial. That's massive. Uh, it's and, massive. And uh, what we've found is to stop people leaving, you do want to be in the top 25%. That That's massive. Because oh, yeah. good people... Deserve to be paid well. Yeah. And honestly, like if you're paying good people really well, I guarantee you're still making money on that because they're good people. They're going to be more efficient. They're going to be driving productivity. They're going to be driving the vibe and culture of your business. Like, you know, honestly, they're worth their weight in gold. So pay them the gold. <laughs> That's really important. Um, and, you know, if you want to lose people, then, you know, don't try understanding how much an employee is worth to your business in terms of revenue and profit. Uh, but if you want to keep them, that's crucial. You've got to be understanding that. You know, a good tradesperson could be worth, you know, 100 to 120K a year in profit um, minimum. Yeah, right? and, and the, the people, you know, if you want to lose people, your attitude typically is, what, they want an extra 5,000 bucks a year? There's no way I can afford that. But mm. you have no idea of how much money they're making you, and you don't put it in the context in which yeah. the decision needs to be made, which is, wow, this person, if I hire them, is going to make me an extra 120k in gross profit off the jobs, and I'm paying them five grand. I'm ahead 115 grand. Well, if we do the maths on this, I mean, most tradespeople, you know, in in a van on their own, if they're a skilled tradie, they're going to be able to do 20 to 30k worth of revenue per month for you. Um, and so, if we look at that, let's call it 25. So over a year, it's 300k. If you've got a 40 percent GP margin, it's 120 thousand dollars in gross profit. Now you say, yeah, but I've still got to pay for other stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure. But as far as that person's concerned, that actually is profit because you've already paid their wages. Um, you know, I mean, there's actually not that much more that comes out of that. You know, per person, it's more that like you have general costs of running your business. So when you look at this, let's call it 120k in profit. But the thing is, is like when someone says, I can't afford another 5k to pay this person. Sure, if you paid them another 5k, it comes out of the 120. The difference is a good person probably makes you more mm -hmm. than 120k because they're more efficient, um, they drive productivity, 
So it's not a 40% margin with that person. It's 45, it's 50. So that 120 is actually 150, it's 170. And at that point, like, what's 5K? And that person is often used to train other apprentices and it's like this uh, never-ending, increasing good cycle. They grow the factory. That's right. So, like, honestly, please pay this person because they're making you heaps. Uh, So you need to make sure they feel appreciated and pay is going to be part of that. And here's the thing. The worst employers have the biggest problem of people leaving for money, for more money. This is true. The worst employers have the biggest problem of people leaving for, for more money because they're not doing any of these other things. And the only thing that the employee is judging the value of this uh, job on is the dollars per hour. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. All right, but we have a ninth one. Number nine. This is the bonus. The bonus one is uh, all of this stuff is important. The key to understand is what matters here is how the employee perceives it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It's about how they perceive it. And the next thing is the employee does not understand your intent. Your intent could be good. Now, uh, Raiden's intent was good, but his execution was poor, and that's what counts. Yeah. So intent counts for nothing. Actions speak louder than words. And that's the only way that your employees can judge uh, how much you value them is from the actions you take. Well, this has been studied many times. Uh, you know, the, the fact is that we judge ourselves on intentions. So when we act, we judge what our intent was. That's how we you know, weigh up whether or not we're good or not. We judge everybody else on their actions. So the way that your employees are judging you is on the actions they see and their perception of your actions. The way you're judging those same actions is your intent with those actions. And your intent may not match their perception. And so the fact is that that actually, whatever you intended is irrelevant because however they perceive it is what they will act on. And so if you want to keep employees, you need to make sure their perception is in the right place um, and matching your intent as much as possible because perception is reality. There's and no getting that's around That's right. It. And here's how it plays out. Most people have good intent to their employees, but they get too busy to take the action that they want. So your thought process, and you may have experienced this, you know, if you're listening, is, hey, I'm definitely going to get around to do the, doing those performance reviews or I'm definitely going to get around to having a chat to you about your uh, your salary or wages, but I've got to, I'm just busy at the moment, so I'll just put it on the back burner, it keeps being put on the back burner. Your intent is relatively good, but there's never any action. Totally. And therefore the reality is that you don't, you know, the perception is a reality for them and they're like, well, they don't really care. Yeah. And again, you know, if we look back over the the eight points prior, you might say, I don't have a toxic work culture. I do hold people accountable. There are growth opportunities. I give feedback on performance. I don't overwork people. There is balance. There's, I don't micromanage and I empower people and I pay them well. But if the perception of your employees is the opposite, then that's what it is. It doesn't matter what you think it is. It matters what they think it is. So that's crucial. So should we land this point? That's a good place to end it. Yeah. Uh, having a great team of committed employees is critical to growing a profitable business. That's fun for you to own as well. But you've got to be aware of the reasons why employees actually will turn over and why they'll leave and actively work and front foot this uh, so you can build a culture and retain the great employees. Now your bank account and your stress levels will really thank you if you front foot this stuff. Thanks, Eggs, for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable Trading Podcast. With holidays and vacation coming up, many business owners are thinking about shutting down for a few weeks to give themselves and their team a break. It's a noble idea, but most business owners haven't thought through the consequences of a holiday shutdown. And the consequences can be serious. 
Tune in to next week's podcast where we discuss how to deal with holiday shutdowns so that you can keep your team fresh and ensure that the cash keeps rolling in. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trady, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Trady Podcast.